0: It's Friday evening. It feels very late, Neil. I don't know about you, but it got to about 6pm and it felt like it was 8.30. I think it's getting very dark here early in Qatar. Uh, we had the mother of all electrical storms yesterday, which dumped a load of rain uh, on the capital city. And of course, I think even Mark Marquez said that the, the deluge of water may be responsible for some of the slippery conditions and the slow lap times we saw on the first day through three practice. But as usual, it's hard to get a handle on things here because we move from an afternoon and slightly warmer session, of course, into the evening where it's cooler and things change around so much. And, uh, wow, Ralph Fernández topped, you know, where end of the day, P2 in P1. Uh, he admitted that it should have been Maverick Mignoles because he set the fastest ever lap. In the end, the lap times did drop significantly. But then, of course, it was ruled out by yellow flags. Uh, first of all, um, you know, what was kind of your overriding sensation from, from P2 today?
1: Yeah, I agree with you that it feels lit. I mean, I've been going to bed 8 p.m., waking up at about 5.30 the last couple of days, so we're recording it just before 11. So, yeah, this is like super lit. This is like an all-nighter for me by But that has recent, allowed you to get into the gym. Terms. It has, exactly, yeah. Super productive in the morning time. <laughs> Sounds unlike, so enthusiastic uh, about it. Unlike you. usual. Yeah, but yeah, it was weird there, wasn't it? I mean, look at that top three, Ralph Fernandez, Fabio de Gianantonio, Maverick Vinales, strange kind of order, especially Ralph Fernandez, definitely the, the strongest day that he's had in in MotoGP. Um, and yeah, the, the, the kind of the takeaway is that it, it's quite difficult really to have a handle on, on things because just right off the first session of the day in all three classes, it's completely irrelevant because we saw lap times drop two, three, four seconds um, in the evening time and so many different types like four different front tires to try three different rears. lots of people trying different combinations and um yeah just not really a a lot of time to put a lot of laps together so it was um it was quite difficult just looking at we we obviously had the rider debriefs just now and you were sort of gauging the riders and trying to see which one looked comfortable which one didn't um but yeah Raul. Look really happy, really confident. The Aprilia's in general, I think, are are in a pretty good way. Really low grip conditions here in, in La Salle. Um, and we know that the Aprilia deals well with that. Also lots of corners where they can carry high corner speed. Um, it's, it's but,
0: you know, sorry to cut you off. It's a brand new surface. So it's not like a couple of others said there is grip there. Alex Marquez one of them. But it's just the state of it. So you're in a situation, you said the first three practices were kind of pointless or you might as well throw them away but in one way the riders were laying down rubber which would serve them for later on and then uh, kind of ironically I went against them because many riders were complaining of graining of how abrasive the surface is because of the sandy uh, top kind of film on top of the of the tarmac i mean luca marini was great as always explaining this to us you know how you can understand it from their perspective riding the motorcycles and uh you know the the right side of the tire in particular because of the way the curves flow into each other and the balance of the throttle having to roll through there just means that that side of the tire is taking a lot of punishment so this first day here at the la salle international circuit has been largely about michelin rubber Mm. Yeah,
1: exactly, and trying to get a handle on what are the what are the kind of choices that they can make for the for the race. Um, yeah, and you know, obviously, some people like Raul seem pretty pretty set, pretty sure what they're what they're going to do, and then other guys are basically looking at their fellow teammates or people on the same bikes and trying to cobble together some kind of plan. So, yeah, definitely a few guys that. We expect to be up there playing catch-up at the moment oh, and Martin I think is probably the, the most obvious case
0: well Martin was one of the riders I mean he had a very dramatic day really a lot of body language a lot of gestures he was not happy at all in Spanish he was telling the journalists that you know it was one of the worst days of the season I mean it's very unusual to see him that far down the order of running last and then, you know, at one point he was actually blaming it on like a defective tire. Possibly, he said there was no explanation for the the sheer lack of grip and traction. Um, he managed to dig something out, but he said he was so close to tra- uh, crashing on numerous occasions that, um, you know, he was left shaking his head. And yeah. to be honest, I, I mean, I had to wander around the track, you know, in the in the evening session. And watching him struggle and watching Bagnaya have a, a pretty effective day by comparison made me realize that, wow, the, yeah, the championship can actually be wrapped up in sort of mm. 48 hours time.
1: Yeah, I mean, for a lot of that afternoon, sorry, evening session, it was looking pretty dire for Martin. He was, it wasn't just that he was slow. He was like three, four seconds off the, the fastest time. So that gave you an indication that something was definitely up. Um, he said it wasn't just a defective rear tire. He thought there was something wrong with the front as well. Um, he went out. Came in, tried to understand what was going on, went out, came in, and then he said in his debrief, he basically said to his crew chief, Daniele Romagnoli, I'm not going back out with those tires. Something's wrong, like something is really clearly wrong, and if I go back out, I'm just going to risk crashing and getting injured. So um, he stuck on, I think, soft front, soft rear towards the end. Um, That seemed to bring him some sort of comfort. Um, He obviously jumped up the order, got himself inside the top 10, which is so crucial at the end of Friday, but he basically lost, you know, the first three quarters of the session um, where he could have worked for the race and he had to use the end of the session to put the time attack in. So he's very underprepared. Um, you know, tomorrow definitely will be a step into the unknown.
0: A lot of people have a lot of work to do. Maverick Vinali's been one of those. Uh, he was happy, but then also admitted that it's going to be a long night analysing all the data they've collected today to make the right choices for the races tomorrow. Is it at this point in our note show where I can play the audio of Maverick saying that my goal in the MotoGP football match yesterday was the hmm. inspiration for his fine form? Is that it is it that permissible? It is the moment. Go on then. <laughs> Actually, uh, on a serious note... Um, he, did Wil- he did actually say that, He did actually say that, but Wilco yeah. Zielenberg got injured in the same game. He broke a rib in a challenge, so he's been sort of wincing and, and gingerly holding his torso, uh, you know, through what was actually a good day for an RNF Aprilia guys, so it was good to see them uh, coming through. Incidentally, people that follow the podcast um, and are used to seeing an RNF unlock um, show, unfortunately, due to the injury of Wilco, he was going to speak to us, we, we had to cancel that, so there would be no podcast with the RNF guys, hopefully in Valencia, We'll get our last show of the season done with them, but uh, you, yeah.
1: you... I mean, and just you were we were talking about Martin there. I guess we should talk about Pecco in that you said yeah. he sounded pretty confident, pretty happy. He was saying from what he could see of the times, it was Raúl and him pretty much with the best rhythm. And while he wasn't always fast, you know that Pecco was always working for the Sunday. Um, sometimes he might just be putting lots of laps on some of the harder rubber. He seemed really confident with how his bike felt, um, where he was in the weekend, and he seems to be exactly where he needs to be. So at the moment, you would say, yeah, Martin has reason to be worried.
0: Yeah, 14 points. It suddenly feels like a lot, uh, you know, because they've been quite equally matched in the last few Grand Prix. But uh, yeah, I mean, Martin has the one lap speed, but he really needs to out the race pace for tomorrow. But he was also dismissive of the sprint. Thought okay, that's not really going to be the major factor here. Yes, work to do for Sunday, so I think that's him looking at the weekend in a wider picture. But you know, if it's a disaster for for Martin in the sprint and Bagnaya notches it, that's what 12 points that's going to go straight into the bank,
1: yeah, exactly. And that you know, that's why this has been such a kind of high pressure weekend because they've essentially had this one session to get it right, and when it didn't go to plan then suddenly you're completely on the back foot. So it's a strange one. We were sort of saying yesterday that we felt that this could chuck up a, a couple of strange results. Certainly today certainly has. Um, and also just maybe throw one or two people that have been super strong recently off their off their stride someone.
0: We didn't see many crashes. Uh, early on in, well, in FP1, Alex Marquez went down. Paula Spargaro was one of the fallers. Uh, later on in the evening, um, Alessia Spargaro, brother, of course, going down as well. I think that was also indicative of the caution the riders were exercising. Mark Marquez was talking about this. He said that he, you know, he had no interest in raising his total of 27 crashes for the season even further here. So he kind of essentially split the track up into sections and just saw where he could push. And then, talking about Bagnaya again, he was not only pulling around one or Honda, but it was two at one point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the the Honda's really having to be cunning again to get anything like a lap time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think Davide Tordozzi was particularly upset with uh, the <laughs> Honda's tactics today. At this critical kind of point in the championship as well, you would maybe think that there would be some sort of relenting from Mark, thinking, okay, this guy's in a title fight, let's not try and get in his way, but... Uh, mark be a mark he 's uh, still just getting stuck in
0: yeah absolutely uh, there was also a moment basically between how can we summarize this Marco Bezecchi and Paula Spargaro, uh where there was they, they kind of cut each other up for a bit, and then Bezecchi decided just to hit uh, Spargaro repeatedly um, it all looked a little bit like handbags on the TV coverage, but then in the debriefs, um, Bezecchi came in looked pretty pissed off, spoke in Italian, couldn't be asked to wait to talk to a single in English and then basically left. Um, Paulo Spargaro also was um, less than impressed. I mean, he didn't want to brush it off at all. In fact, he just didn't want to comment on it and said that he was too old to be pulled into such um, shenanigans. Uh, it, it looked like there was a bit of beef, you know, and they weren't impressed.
1: No, definitely not. Yeah, um, I, I need to go back and re-watch it, but I, one of them rode exceptionally close to the other one and kind of cut the one... Uh, you know the other one up, and then the other it's one retaliation retaliated and rode very, very close to whoever it was, um yeah, and then bezecchi obviously just um yeah letting it kind of get the better of him, but he was not um he was not so happy, obviously um you know he was very uncompetitive today, down in fifteenth as well um in kind of difficult conditions, you would have maybe expected Bezecchi to be a bit stronger here um in low grip conditions because he has suited these kind of conditions before um, but yeah just a bad day overall for him
0: yeah he certainly had the demeanour of someone who wasn't satisfied with his day's work but uh, you know just making contact there with Spargo, I do wonder if you know something that something the stewards would look at when you consider the infractions picked up in Moto3 and again we saw that today as well where there was some unnecessary block, well, not blocking but really just riders yeah, not it being aware yeah. okay Definitely. It's not being aware of where they are on the track
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, there's some really silly um, riding in, in Moto 3 uh, P2. At the end of the day, um, someone's got the back of the grid penalty Filippo Farioli and uh, long lap. But yeah, I think you know you, you got to be a bit sterner with the Moto 3 lads than in, in Moto GP. This is just two lads letting off a bit of steam, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have to let them at it. Said like a Northern Irishman, them sort of outside. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you know, had a few beers. Worst ways to. Off a, a beef. <laughs> right? As we mentioned, um, Ralph Fernandez finished P1 and uh, he spoke to us you know briefly and spoke for a long time in Spanish actually. He made the joke that there's actually a lot of people listening to his media debrief for instance. Yeah, uh, so um, here's a couple of words from Raul. Uh,
2: yeah, honestly, I'm really happy, I'm really happy to, to come uh, back to be be competitive, but uh. It is something that uh, we have to take more or less like this. Uh, it's not a hundred percent reality. Uh, first, because Maverick was faster than me, and that is something that was clear. Uh, and also, I think Ducati will show tomorrow the real, the real potential of them. Today, for some reasons, they don't understand well the track or something like this. But I think they, they will they will uh, be there tomorrow. Uh, yeah. I am happy, I am happy, but uh, we have to work more. We don't have to think on the result, we don't have to think on nothing more, to try to, to take the maximum like we did since Misano to, to now. And yeah, I think uh, it is good for me, for the team, but we will not to think on nothing, just to, to keep working and to try to, to get uh, something more for tomorrow, because tomorrow everybody will be, will improve. Will, will improve.
0: Ralph Fernandes then in P1, but um, obviously a lot to change tomorrow now. And you imagine those fleet of eight jakatis are all going to be looking at each other's data, trying to work out a solution, uh, as well as the, the army of engineers behind them. Uh, before we go and sign up just from this note show this evening, uh, prediction for tomorrow? Who's, who's your kind of tip for the sprint? I know it's very hard to say at this point.
1: It is really hard to say. Yeah, harder now than I think probably any other time uh, this year because I don't have a kind of clear picture. Normally you have a bit of a hierarchy of who's looking strong in terms of rhythm, but Ralph Fernandez, I mean, could he do it? It it seems ridiculous um, to say that, but he was what second this morning, fastest, uh, sorry, second this afternoon, fastest this evening. Um, You know, the world champion is saying that he's the guy to, he's kind of the guy to beat, but I, I can't see it to be honest. I think it's still a bit of a, a long shot. Um,
0: I still, we got for me. Uh, yeah, okay. I still just think you know the combination of the one lap and I, th- I think,
1: yeah, Leish could maybe do something interesting. You know, he didn't uh, quite put the full day together, but he seemed pretty happy. He said he was actually really angry because uh, he found it baffling how he could go from a Sapang where the Aprilia was useless and they were so uncompetitive to a situation here where clearly the bike was working so well and didn't put down a lot of rhythm. but. You do feel the potential is there. So it's been a good track for him in recent years. Um, yeah, I think Alish could be maybe the man. But I, I don't say that with any great conviction, <laughs> as you can <could> probably tell on <laughs> <in> my voice.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're know, not wearing, putting your Lesher Spargo t-shirt on just yet. Um, I missed Jack Miller's debrief, Neil. Were you there? I mean, did he mention anything about the new rear aero and was he kind of blasé about it, as yeah, you'd expect to be? Yeah,
1: coy, very coy. Um, yeah, said he's obviously trying to work on rear contact. Um, help him in the braking area, keep a little bit of weight on the rear, um, which will help him stop the bike. Um, Brad Binder wasn't using that. He was saying that he was more focused on a few electronics yep. changes today, which um, he felt could could help him. So those guys working in slightly different directions. Um, but yeah, Miller seemed pretty happy with it. I think his uh, Aussie slang for the, uh, the rear wing was... Uh, the old lady's ass, or something along those lines. <laughs> Apparently, the curvature of that is uh, is somewhat uh, reminiscent of uh, what I just said there. So, well, I hope um, his,
0: his wife wasn't too upset with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but yeah, it was uh, an interesting piece because, yeah, there's a few kind of curves in it. Awesome. You're talking about
0: the arrow now, right? I'm talking about the, the arrow. arrow. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. But yeah, trying to get a bit more weight on the rear um, seems to be the uh, the, the kind of uh, the key for Miller. Um, and yeah, generally speaking, he was he was okay today. He was he was sounding fairly happy, fairly content, even though he just missed out on a spot in the top ten, down eleventh.
0: All right, down in eleventh. We'll see if Jack Miller can improve things tomorrow. We'll be back with the next note show. Uh, We'll try and get someone else to come and uh, tell us what they thought of what happens in qualification in in the afternoon and then going into the sprint in the evening. Uh, Thanks ever so much for listening on our Patreon channel. And for subscribers, we put up an exclusive interview with Colin Veya, you know, the the latest Moto3 Grand Prix winner. And, you know, realistically a rival, you could say, for David Alonso as rookie of the year in the smaller category, uh, cylinder class. So, uh, yep. Thanks for checking in, and um, it's late here now, so we'll try and get this edited online and then be back tomorrow for the roundup from Saturday.